Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. What's up, what's up, what's up? Welcome into the Orange Zone Podcast. A reminder, you can find every episode on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. We are your place for all things Syracuse Orange. You can also find every episode on our CMY Central YouTube page if you are watching on the YouTube. What's up from the Sky Camp? How what's are up? you? New episodes are released weekly. We invite you to like, subscribe, and subscribe and uh, comment and subscribe for more Orange Zone content. We appreciate everyone out there. Shout out Orange Chuck. Shout out Q's Waterboy, two of our biggest listeners right now. I know uh, Q's Waterboy is probably in his big rig right now doing some trip up to Watertown or something. So uh, happy to have them always listening with us and, and as well as the rest of this fan base. And I'm Tommy Sladek. This is Samantha Croston. We have Brendan Hodges on the producer mic. And Sam is back from a long birthday weekend. The big 2-5. How you feeling? The big two five, like I had a quarter life crisis, but I'm back and I'm ready to go. Um, no, it was great. It was good to be home. Took took a step away, went to Long Island for a little bit, saw some family. I think you know this, but I have a cousin who has the exact same birthday as me, but she's, she's two adorable. years old. She's so cute. So I got to be around some babies. I got to be around some old people. Like, what else could you ask for? It's like the perfect combination. <laughs> it was just, a very good, wholesome weekend. You're just squeezed right in the middle there at 25. You feel different? Um, you know, we talked about this a little bit. Yeah, I mean, as you had said previously, I do feel like 25 is the first age where I did feel it a little bit. I don't normally think about age, and I was kind of like, wow, that's different. <laughs> that feels like something, but I'm ready to learn from the previous experiences and, and uh, you know, have some new experiences now in the 25-plus in the range. I, I always have believed I'm going to live to 100, so to me – um, like that's one of my big goals. So it's, it's 25 down 75 to go as far as I'm concerned. I love that. My goal is to hit 2100 or two the year 2100. I think that I'd be one Oh six, but I think I can do it. <sighs> Maybe. Honestly, I think if anybody could do it, it would be you. And you have to imagine yeah, that as we get older, the right. advancements, people will be living longer, but I'll have, you know, that if you live to hundred, you get a letter from the president, which at that time probably will be like a woman. Something really cool. Right. So I'm it's probably an e-signature too. Right? Yeah. Either way, I'm really looking forward to it, and I do plan on seeing that through. Cool. Right All on. Right. See you in 2100. All right. <laughs> See you then. All right. Well, what we got in store for today is it's a great time for, um, not great time, but I should say important time for Syracuse lacrosse. We'll get into the SU women as they start the ACC tournament this week, and ultimately, it's going to be less on what the specifics games, games are because we will have Virginia Tech happening the day that this um, gets released. It's more so going to be how this is going to impact their NCAA tournament and what we're ultimately looking for from them. Syracuse men's across needs to beat Duke in their final game of the season, honestly, to get a bit into this tournament. We'll hit on that. And then um, we'll bounce off what we had last week, which was a great episode with Hodges and I, where we talked about this NFL draft and the mock drafts and, and ultimately what could be the first year in nearly 20 years where Syracuse football has had four guys getting picked. So exciting times. We have updates on Sean on Tucker, as well as just a few more mocks that have come in here in the last week. So, Sam, let's start with the ACC tournament for the women. The men don't have that. ACC, very small conference on that side of things. Um, Syracuse ultimately lost to Boston College. 
17 to 16. Um, heartbreaking fashion. They moved to number two in the polls. Um, and now they're getting ready to take on Virginia Tech, a team they beat 16 to five earlier in the season. What have you absorbed here over the last few days? I guess basically since last Thursday. Right. I mean, so when I was on Long Island, I made sure that I watched this game. This was one that I wanted to see play out what was going to happen. But it was weird because I wasn't watching the entire thing. I was watching some of the first half and I caught like the last two minutes and I, I could not believe it. Like, I could not believe that Boston College made a comeback in that fashion because I feel like that's what we've been saying kind of the whole year is once you get into the danger zone with this team, the Syracuse women's lacrosse team, and you're down by four or five, six goals, it's going to be too hard to come back. Right. And this time around, that wasn't the case. So I think that was nerve-wracking for some people. I know some people lost a little bit of faith and hope, but as you might remember. You called this. I did say that I had a bad feeling about this one week ago. I have no idea why, but I have a bad feeling, which I haven't had the whole year. I have no idea why. It's just a feeling. So I'm hoping that it goes away. Can you elaborate on that feeling, or is it nothing more than a feeling? I don't know why I have a feeling Does it feel like, trappy because it, North Carolina was ultimately a bigger story? It feels like, well, there's a lot of history here with Boston certainly, College. Certainly in the last national championship game that Syracuse was in, they lost it to BC mm -hmm. and Charlotte North and mm -hmm. company. Um, so I, I always think this is a big game and Boston college isn't even ranked as high as they're normally ranked. Maybe that's why I have a bad feeling is because right. they're not the powerhouse that they've previously been. And I don't know, maybe it is a trap situation. Like I said, I'm hoping I'm wrong, but for some reason, my prediction this time around is either like a win by six or seven goals or a loss that we were not expecting. So that was Sam calling it, basically. I had a bad feeling, but I didn't. I actually thought it would be a good thing if they lost this time around. I had a bad feeling about that game, but I didn't think that that would be a bad experience. Hmm. It is very, very difficult to to win every single game throughout the course of an entire season, especially when you're playing certain opponents two or three times. Oh, yeah. I would so much rather them have that experience of losing on a new field. Like I, I granted there were some changes and some things that were different and, and feel what it feels like to be in that situation in a game that quite honestly doesn't matter a ton. It's a bummer that they became the two seed because of that game. I honestly almost couldn't believe it. Like the math wasn't mathing for me for some reason on that, but I do see and I understand it now. Um, but I, I just don't, I don't view it as, as some horrible thing. I view it as a loss that they can now learn and grow from. Mm -hmm. And we'll see what happens now in the ACC tournament, which again, not to say that it's not important, but to me, it just feels like more of a learning and growing experience because we all know at the end of the day what they want and what's important here. Completely agree. And, and I think other than lo if they, you know, for whatever reason, lose to Virginia Tech in some, you know, like by five goals, I, I just don't see there being too much change in where they end up land landing come tournament time. Because again, they went 15 and one and uh, arguably probably the toughest strength of schedule in, uh, in the country. Um, and again, it, you kind of have two sides. I would have loved to have an undefeated season. Sure. I think everyone would. I think that just, it, it looks cooler. It sounds cooler. It is cooler, but you're right. Long-term was this the best thing to happen to them? Um, and ultimately I still respect the fact that they went and played this game outside. It ended up being a beautiful night. Um, but who's to say that that did, different environment didn't impact it. So to kind of have that ready to go, um, 
and be good to go come the NCAA tournament time because that's what really matters at the end of the day here. I thought that was a big deal. So it's number two, Syracuse, number seven, Virginia Tech, four o'clock happening Wednesday. BC gets that number one seed because, which I didn't even realize, that they were six and one coming in. Syracuse was seven and oh. It's kind of ridiculous that they ended up in the second seed, but they did. Um, and ultimately, what are you looking to see from them in the ACC tournament um, as you look ahead to the NCAA? I'm looking to see some more second half adjustments. I felt like there was definitely a, a breakdown in the second half there. There's the same play multiple times there in the fourth quarter. Not sure if you noticed that. Kayla Trainer, I mean, she she even acknowledged it right after the game that she's like, we didn't catch this quick enough. And I think there is, you know, so a part of that is Coach Trainer being able to take timeouts at certain times and being able to tell people these are the adjustments that you have to make. But another part of that is actually making those adjustments and and coach trainer can't do that for the rest of the team i will say that i noticed in the timeout that was called when bc went up by the winning goal and there was still time left i was they were showing shots of all of the players faces from syracuse in that timeout and i knew then and there that the game was over like Mm. i could tell like there was fear in these players eyes and honestly that last minute and 20 seconds of play or however much time there was when they came out of that last time out there was time to make a defensive stop and go down and score that goal there was time to do that and I and I was disappointed by the effort that was put forth in that last minute and 20 seconds so I think there was also an effort component there of understanding that the game truly is not over until it's over um so I'm looking to see that I think that Delaney Schweitzer could have made a couple more saves in the second half um I think that my hard hat for the year might even go to Olivia Adamson so far. Mm. I don't think people are realizing how much of an impact that her role on the draw circle has played, especially since Kate Mischewski went down. So I would say that was a positive, and congratulations to Megan Tyrell. So I'm definitely looking to see more yeah. of the Tyrell sisters. Um, but really, I mean, I thought the offense has done well, as they did all year long. I think it was really just a matter of some defensive adjustments. And again, that mentality of just – being comfortable in a situation where you're down by one or two goals and knowing that you can come back from that. They looked a little bit out of their element towards the end of that game. A little fearful, I might say. A little bit more playing, you know, playing not to lose and playing to kind of keep doing their thing once they were up like, what, 12 to 6 at that point. So it was definitely a, a, a little bit of a different vibe, but also credit to Boston College. Like they just they had the right game plan in that fourth quarter and just dominated it. So there's a reason why they're a top five team. And ultimately, we ended up seeing that and uh, something that the Syracuse team can learn from. But um, yeah, yeah. Adamson was great. Was she the one that had the behind the back? Because that was phenomenal. Was she? I'm not sure. Brendan, you got it? I didn't see that one. I could not tell you. I want to say it was her. It was, it was a great play. And, and also, yeah, go ahead. No, and there, I mean, really, there was a lot of great things to take away from, from that game. But 12 to 6, and then they come back and win, that shouldn't happen. No, no, that, that shouldn't hurts. happen. That hurts. Yeah. So, again, it's also sometimes just a matter of stopping the momentum. Like, you have to figure out somewhere along the lines there, two, three, four goals are scoring. Okay, we need to seriously shake some things up and try and, um, you know, prevent this from continuing to happen. Yeah, defensive, so we'll defensively, they clearly made some adjustments, too, because it would just, at the end of the day, the offense wasn't scoring by the, th- by the time this thing finished up. But um, ultimately, I think they're in great shape. It's fine. And hopefully it's just one of those things where you can learn from. Win a few games here in the ACC. It's not one of those where I'm not like, I need to see them win the whole thing. But get back in your groove, get comfortable, blow a team out or two, and then get ready for May. Um, Going on to the men's side, these guys, 
uh, dropped three spots to number 15 in the media poll after losing 19 to 12 to number three Virginia this past weekend. And this one, I think going into these last two games, if you asked most fans, which of the two do you think they have a better shot at pulling off the upset? I think 95, if not 99% would say Duke. And why is that? Uh, because I, I think people bounced off of the game earlier in this season where it ended up being – what wasn't it OT? I believe it Overtime, was OT. 14-13 yeah. loss. Overtime, 14-13 loss. And it's been in past years they just – they you know, Gary Gates' teams have played Duke well. Mm-hmm. So to me, right on paper, it stood out there. And then Virginia um, – coach's name, I'm blanking on it. Lars, Lars something. Um, Is it Lars Tiffany? Yes, Lars Tiffany. Okay, because he's an he's a Lafayette guy. He was a Lancer, grew up right there, uh, playing with the Onondaga Nation. He normally, when he gets up on the podium, when they you know make the Final Four or whatnot, he's always giving a shout out to the Onondaga Nation, just like learning the game of lacrosse here. So, really impressive coach, and I think ultimately he's had Syracuse's number over the years. And um, this team was just it, it was. Hodges, what did you take away from it? And would you agree with that assessment that you expected Duke more than Virginia coming in? Uh, I'm not gonna about the game itself. I'm not gonna lie. I was actually calling a women's lacrosse game down in Hamilton, so I didn't get a chance to watch Shout a out lot Gate. of this. They won. Shout this, out Colgate. They beat American in overtime. It was a great game. Go um, Raiders. I, I will say I agree that I was picking SU to probably beat Duke more so than mm-hmm. Virginia because of what you said. Like re, it may be recency bias, but like they've played Duke close this year. Overtime loss held a couple of like four goal leads in that game, and I just felt like, hey, if there was a chance to win one of these last two games against two top three teams, which in my opinion shouldn't affect the way they are seeing going into a potential postseason berth, it would be Duke because mm-hmm. they've played them tight as of recent history, and Virginia is stacked with talent. Yeah, all the ACC teams are. But Virginia, more so than many of the others, is stacked with guys who just make play after play after play. And they had a slow start. I think it was, what, 6-1 at one point, 6-0. Six, six it, it really just was one of those from when I was watching, it just felt over from the jump. Um, and that's tough to see. Uh, not like they didn't have some great moments. They did, but it was ultimately they just some of the stuff that they, I thought that they cleaned up in the past few games started to – kind of show its face again there was definitely some miscommunication on defense I saw a few plays um you know where basically a shooter was wide open Mm -hmm. and so I think it's stuff that's going to be fixed and they understand what's on the line and I absolutely think they can get it done because it's next uh or it's on Wednesday noon start um didn't even realize that it was a noon start appreciate that so by the time you're listening to this that game's probably underway so hopefully they get it done because i think that's the way they get into this thing because there's no acc tournament for them to win and that was the point i was going to bring up that is critical there is no automatic qualifier coming out of the acc which is kind of astonishing when you really think about it they should really figure out a way to either add another team or something so that there can be an automatic qualifier because that that is a little disappointing to know that there's not another way to get in besides being in the rankings and the RPIs and all, all, the, all the things that they consider. But I do agree that I, I think this is going to be a close game against Duke, especially because everybody on Syracuse knows this is for all the marbles, baby. Like, this is what you need. And Duke's to- in. Right. You feel me? A hundred percent. I mean, you have to win this game to have any kind of a shot. Um, and in a way, it is almost lucky because it is such a highly ranked team that it yeah. really could kind of 
boost you in if you do win this game. But, you know, a couple of things that Brennan put here that are sticking out to me. In that first match, Duke put up 66 shots against the Orange, the highest total of any of SU's opponents so far this season. They also won the face-off battle 21-9. Yeah, that, that ain't great, folks. Not great, Bob. So those are the things that you're looking at. You know, the face-off. I mean, Will Mark actually played great that game, 22 saves. Pretty astonishing. But still, that's that's not going to be enough. You're going to need to put up more shots against this Duke team. You're going to have to work harder on the faceoff. And as you said, just that that team, that collective effort that we have seen a couple of times throughout the season, but we have not seen it consistently. So it is sort of hard to know what to expect from this team. Yeah. Ultimately, uh, they need to get it done. So we'll see which team shows up. This is critical. Let's see what happens. I will say, Tommy, there is a bit of a typo there. It is Saturday the 29th. The date there is right. It is a Saturday, though. Okay. I feel so much better about that because I was like, hold on. Hold on. Wednesday at noon? So let's correct that. Game is Saturday at noon because I was looking at the 29th. I'm like, man, that really went fast. <laughs> um, game is at noon Saturday. ESPNU. So I'm enjoying – I got to say, I do love – I, I, I get sad when basketball lands, but I love it because ESPNU just frees up and it's just Lack City on the weekends. Lack City. It's, it's going to be exciting. I can't wait. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Um, let's finish up with some NFL draft talk. We also have Brendan's trivia. It's a three-parter today, so this thing's a three-headed beast. I'm excited for it. Um, let's get into the update since we last spoke about the draft, and that is Sean Tucker had his uh, personal own pro day on Monday. Again, this was three days before that this draft is starting on Thursday. Um, ultimately, he was not medically cleared to compete in the original combine in Indianapolis. A recheck, which I didn't know they were allowed to do, allowed this to happen. Now, the the secrecy around what this injury is is so tight-lipped, um, I've never really experienced anything like it. It is confusing. To where I see, I think I mentioned this last week, where the Mel Kuypers of the world are completely out of the loop as to where he could land because they are so... Uh, they know so little information as to what this is. Like, you see high as fourth round. You see undrafted. There's a lot at play here. But ultimately, what does that recheck tell you? I don't know. <laughs> but for something to all of a sudden get the check mark is really interesting to me. And uh, he didn't compete in the 40, which I was a little bit bummed about. Yeah. That would have been nice same. because he ran track. And it would have just been awesome to have a number down on it. Um, vertical leap, 38th. Tied for third among, third among running backs at the NFL Combine. Dude's got hops. The bench press. Let's talk about this bench press for a second. Woo! Sean Tucker's 209 pounds. He put up 225. So if you've ever been in the gym, that's 245 plates on each side in the bar. So that's 45-pound bar and then 90 pounds each side. 225, 29 times. It's, it's known to be if you can bench your body weight, you know, just a few times. That's known to be just a general standard of that's your that, that's a you know that's a that's a person with good strength. To do it twenty nine times at the running back position is really unbelievable. It's really it's astonishing. Mm -hmm. 
And not to call either of you guys out, but I do feel like I just need more information to kind of put this into perspective. Like, yeah. how many times do you guys think you could throw up 225? I can tell you what my, like, bench max was in college. Hit us with it. It was, like, 255, and that was For a one? three rep max that we okay. would do. Um, I want to say 255 ended up being my one rep max, though, out of that, like, three rep thing. But also, by the way, bench doesn't matter for his position. Let me just be real with that. I really don't think it does. I, I disagree just because if you're trying to show who you are as a run as a as a pass blocker, I think you're gonna want that 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 motion of sticking out, I think requires there to be obviously strength saying, in the lower it's body. More but strength also strength in legs even with that too. You look For at sure. like a power clean. For sure. You think it's all arms, but like it, but when you're cleaning, you are helping lift a guy off the ground. So it's more that motion than the actual bench, which is picking yourself up after you get knocked down. But does that not also signify a strong bench from a running back? Does that signify someone that's a block of muscle? Someone that is – I mean, this situation is a little bit more unique <clears throat> with Sean, but um, you know, a little bit less injury prone. Someone that can bounce, be like defenders that bounce I, off of him as he takes hits. That I just I agree with. I don't see it as important in the actual what he's going to be doing in terms of running with the ball, catching the ball, maybe pass blocking. I think the injury prone thing is critical. Actually, I I, I would I uh, again. There's a reason why some people just don't even participate in the bench press because again, it, it's not. No one's looking at him being like that's going to make or break anything. But to me. It just shows how strong this dude is. And as if a running nothing, back, if nothing else, you want strong. He's a strong dude. <laughs> 225 is basically my max. I don't even think I, I'm not really max benching anymore. But 225, maybe 235 was like for for one or two. For I one mean, or two. 29 is astonishing. It is, and it shows to us, I think, just what type of athlete this is and how hard he's been working this offseason to be able to put up those numbers and have stuff that sticks out along with just who he is as a person. Now, we're hearing that the Cardinals, Bills, Jets, and Giants were on hand. Would this number have been way higher earlier in the spring? Yeah, definitely. That, to me, is more so Cardinals are clearly really interested in him, or there's something that they needed to see to get a better feel. So put the Cardinals down as a total possibility of drafting Sean. Bills, Jets, Giants, to me, is more so just location-wise, we can get there in time. I agree with that. Where do you guys envision that he could end up, or where would you like to see him? Sure. Go ahead, Brendan. Um, You know, I mentioned this last week, and I I really think it's – I said third to fourth in the article that we put up. Yeah. But that's, like, best-case scenario for him. I think it's more so later rounds to undrafted. And I only say that because teams are getting into him so late and getting to see him so late that their boards are already set. You're not necessarily going to put a guy above these people that you've seen over and over and over again and didn't necessarily have a medical issue that you don't know what it is. Well, they they do, I, I believe, right? I mean, you would think they do. You they would de- think they, they do. definitely, there's because definitely they, that they communication They pay guys there. thousands upon, probably tens of thousands of dollars to look into this sort of thing and mm-hmm. be like, hey, what do you know? what are you seeing with this guy? What do you know? Because you're the guy that we trust to know everything about every one of these guys that we have on this large board that's sitting in our draft room. Well, let me ask a follow-up question here. Are they always this tight-lipped about injuries, or is this kind of a unique situation? Unique, in my opinion. This is unique, yeah. This is because normally stuff stuff slips out in the NFL left and right. Um, 
And so, and sometimes it's, it's... And what you're saying is none of the insiders even really understand what's going on And here. I think a part of that is because during the season and what we've seen over those last two years um, is when he has those moments where he's banged up, he's on the ground, you know, face down, and he gets up, you know, he's kind of doing this motion. He kind of has his hands like around his chest, around his ribs, and then he goes back in. It's... I've never seen he anything always like goes that. back in. in, but never was it addressed as to what those moments are. Normally, in situ, in, in just in college football teams, teams let that it like those things are released. So, because of I think the secrecy of it when he was playing has carried over to the NFL, and if whatever it is is deemed to be not an issue then I think he's going fourth round. I think he's going fifth round, best case scenario. But if whatever it is is a possible problem, I almost want to lock him in as an undrafted free agent. Mm. It'd be beneficial for him, too. I mean, it, it may Because not, he would have that pick of his team. He'd have that pick of team. It may not mm. sound like it because you're not getting your name out there. You're not getting picked by a team. But if you get to pick the team you go to – you're not going to a team who you may get hundreds of carries and get hit hundreds of times with no value, and you don't increase your value because of statistics, because of what you've done in the league. Right. You pick your team. You pick a team with a good offensive line, a solid quarterback that maybe carries the ball too. Um, I mentioned Baltimore last week, mm-hmm. 20 minutes away from home for Sean Tucker. Yeah, I love to see Global him as a quarterback, Raven. great offensive line. Like, could you imagine how effective he would be in that offense? And I know that he has injury issues. All the Ravens running backs have had injury issues. But it'd be a great story, and I think it'd be a great fit. And obviously, I'm no expert. It's just saying, like, if you have your pick of teams, you can think about that. You, you, if you don't, you are at the mercy of whoever calls you up on the phone and says, hey, Sean, this is blah, blah, blah from whatever team. Sure. Cap on a plane, you're coming to insert city here. Right. But at the end of the day, I think that's also a little bit of security, right? You know that this team really, you know that this team liked you enough to put a pick on you. Um, so you do have that bit of, I think it adds a layer of trust, right? As to coming in undrafted, you know, you're fighting with a lot of undrafted free agents that are coming in trying to make a spot on this the roster. The dollar amount they sign you to, though, shows you how much they trust you in terms of UDFAs. In, yeah. so, in some cases. Yeah. And, and, and ultimately, if, if, you know, if it doesn't work out at the spot that he is drafted, it's like, I just, I, unless there's something really wrong here, I find it hard to believe that this guy's not at least on a practice squad next year. I just, mm. I really don't see it not being the case if whatever he's dealing with can be, can be worked through. So let's move on from Sean. Again, this data that we have here from Brendan is from NFL.com, ESPN, CBS Sports, and The Athletic. We also have Matthew Bergeron to talk about. We have Garrett Williams. And we have Michael Jones. Now, Devon Cooper, I believe, signs with someone. I also think Andre Schmidt signs with someone. But it's Jones, Williams, Bergeron, Tucker that we're looking at here. And with Bergeron, um, O-Lyman has been just – a a player for Syracuse since he came in here as a freshman and he's picked in all of these mocks sec mid second to late third round. Two of these mocks have him going to the Chicago bears. Actually the fifth one that we have here pro football Bergeron pro football focus is also having Bergeron going second round 53 to Chicago. And it makes sense because Bergeron is a dude that can be very mobile, good run blocker. And that's why last week, Sam, we talked about how 
it makes sense for him to be in a Buffalo in a Chicago where you have a Justin Fields, a Josh Allen, and a mobile quarterback. And so it makes sense that that Chicago is at the top of the list here. Um, and we'd love to see him go second round. Great dude. From, kid from Quebec. Um, and I know you would love to see him go to the Bills. We were joking about that, that you would love to see all of these guys go to the Bills. Uh, right? Any Syracuse guy go to the Bills. Yeah, no, the Bills have my heart. And I, I definitely agree. I think it would be interesting to see him end up in those places. Did you guys both agree that that's kind of where you see him? Uh, one of those, I think, one with a team that has a mobile quarterback. I, I, I have them the down. Fit. I also I didn't say this last week, but I hope the Bears take Peter Skaronski at nine so the Eagles can get him in the second round. That'd be fun. That'd be great, <laughs> actually. I would, uh, I would love to see him be a bird. Um, Garrett Williams, towards ACL. Um, you know, missed basically that back half of the season. Tough to watch. And ultimately, I find it to be very exciting to see him on Pro Football Focus going in the third round. That, that shows you how much we've come, come along with ACL injuries in the recovery time. And not only that, but like th- this was an injury that not too, not too long ago could have ended a career. Well, that was the question on careers. my mind. Like how, yeah. how much or how little do you think this impacts things? I think ultimately, uh, I mean, not as much. I, I Why think, is that? Like what's changed over the years? I think it's the, the knowledge of it. The, rec- the, the rehab is so much more fine-tuned that allows for a quicker recovery um, you know, just certain w- like just the whole approach to it, I believe, has changed and has been perfected. Um, and I just watched a video that was shared by Ian Rapoport this week, and it was, it was something that Garrett's dad or, or Geo or or Garrett himself sent to him, and it's him doing cone drills. I saw that. I'm like, this is amazing. It, this it has was been amazing. six months. Yeah, and I think you know, no ACL injury. I'm thinking probably second round maybe late first, but ultimately I, th- I would see him snugging right in there in the second round to see him going in the third. And then in some of these in, in the fourth, I know I saw a sixth on there. I just think that's amazing. And, and I'm happy for Garrett that he's able to ultimately make the most of what was a crappy situation and still possibly end up in a great spot. I think really <clears throat> my last question here, as we kind of inch closer to all this is, if you guys had to guess right now, how many of these guys are going to get drafted? How many would you say? Hmm. Interesting Three. question. I'm still like bullish that Michael Jones may just fall out. I mean, only being in one of those five mocks. And yeah. I understand there are a lot of mocks out there, mm-hmm. and none of them are going to be right. But I just don't think linebacker is valued as much in the NFL when you can put a certain type of safety into the box or even a a nickel corner in there. You just don't see many linebackers, prototypical linebackers out there. Now, Michael is not a prototypical linebacker. No. He is a side-to-side Matt Milano, Terrell Edmonds type of guy. uh, Terrell Bernard, excuse me, which is why I think the Bills are a spot that he could go. Because you have that yeah. like history there with those linebackers who are around six foot, six one, two twenty, two twenty five. They can fly, cover backs, tight ends, even some slot receivers if need be. Yeah, I, I think I would agree with Brendan, but I have I have Bergeron and Williams as locks, and then I have one of Tucker or Jones getting drafted. Um so it's you it's, go three as well. I go three as All well, right. but I don't know who that third is yet. Mm-hmm. It could be Sean, mm-hmm. it could be Michael. Um again I 
you guys know how I feel about Michael Jones. I think he's just I just think he is a a nugget in a gold mine when it comes to NFL success. And no, he's not your prototypical NFL linebacker as he considered a little bit undersized. The the ferocity he plays with, the leadership that he's able to command a defense to me is just so impressive. And and ultimately I just see him succeeding wherever he goes. And um, you know, we'll we'll love to see it happen. Here's really a question would. for you, Tommy. With the injury concerns, would you take Michael over Sean? Yes, just because I don't know. So, so are <laughs> I think you, are I would you answer, leaning more Michael than, than I Sean? Think I think I personally, I'm leaning more Michael. But from a from a uh, from just like a national perspective, and from these guys getting from the name, Sean, the it, name, the name, and just from what people are saying, I think Sean ends up being the one that gets taken. But if it ends up being two of them. Be, I'd be a little bit bummed out, not the end of the world, but it would be awesome to see all four. That would just be a special day. Yeah, no, and it is just so interesting what you said about, like, with Sean Tucker, you're like, because I just don't know. I feel like people fear the unknown, which is why I'm surprised that it is so tight-lit. But as you guys have said, you have to imagine that the scouts and the people who are recruiting him understand the situation here. But the draft experts clearly don't. I know. Which is why there's that there's that lack of communication right there that we've seen time to time where there's guys that go into the top 10. It's like, wait, where did this guy come from? There's a reason why they're tight lipped. So this could easily be something where he doesn't get picked and it was across the board, a no brainer, or it's one of those where he ends up getting picked in the late fourth round. We, we truly have no idea. I will say this feels like a draft where there's not a lot of like superstar players, but there are a lot of really good ones. And that yeah. does give me a little bit of hope to where all four of these guys could go. Mm -hmm. now, I do. Like, I think it's. I think yeah. it's a draft, like you mentioned. I don't think we're going to be looking back at this five years from now and be like that top ten was crazy. I think it is going to be a draft where it's going to be this dude was taking the third round. That's nuts. Here, this guy was fifth round. Yes. Now he's a Pro Bowler. That just it has that energy. The college football season had that energy, so we'll see it. Um, trivia. 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 Take, take, take a little off real quick, guys. Get a sip of your coffee there uh, okay. as I'm on camera here. All right. Three questions, one a little more personal than the other two. We'll start with question one. In the common no, draft. never killed anyone. Why is, always, why is everyone always ne asking? Never committed a felony. You don't check that box off. <laughs> never committed a felony. In the common draft era, meaning 1994 to present, and for Sam that means the current seven-round format. Which round has seen the most former Orange players drafted? Oh, okay. So one through seven. Um, is this just in general? This is just in general. Okay. So, like, how many – the most Syracuse players to have been drafted in a single round, which round is it? Over uh, the course of the entire period. Got it, got it. So, it's so not like, like one if, year, three guys so got like taken So, like, for example, if, like, five rounds get taken – Say, like, five guys got taken in round one over the course of these 20 years, and that was the most. That would be the answer. Got it. Okay. Um, just from recent memory, we, we talked a little bit about this. Ifiatu Melifanwu, as well as Andre Sisko, both went in the third round in 2021. Um, you know, there's been a few guys over the years in round seven. I, huh. I think it's six or seven. I think it's six or seven, just statistically. Then I'll go. <clears throat> I'll go round three. You're gonna go round three. Yeah. All right. I'll say. 
Gotta go with my gut. Seven. One of you is right. We'll save it for the end. Wow. Bonus question. Okay. Orange Zone contributor James Mungrow themed. What Shout round was he drafted in by the Detroit Lions? Four. Undrafted. Trick question. Tommy's two for two. Ah. Uh. <laughs> Tommy saw right through that. So, yes, Tom, Tommy is two for two now. Question number three, which is probably the hardest one. Syracuse has produced nine first-round NFL draft picks. Which, since in that common draft era, I should add, which NFL franchise has used the most first-round picks on Syracuse players during that time period? So it's nine of them, right? Yes. Um, you know what? I think I'm staring right at him. I'm actually going to make it, it a little bit harder. Three teams are tied for this lead. Name all of them. Colts are one. I'm waiting for three answers here. Okay. All right. We'll Lord. both we'll both take Colts. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna absorb my other two. And I believe it would be a tie for two. Okay. Um, I mean, you've been on a heater, so I'll let you cook. Okay. Well, we know there's Donovan, so that's one for the Eagles. And I believe they have another one. I believe the Eagles have gotten another guy in the first round. Um, Franny, Marvin Harrison, first round, first round. Nine guys, first round. Uh, oh, there's Chandler Jones. I believe he was round one, pick 13. Should have been right to the Patriots. And then there's Justin Pugh, Giants. The gasp. <laughs> huh. I feel like there's another Giant in there. Maybe David Tyree? All right, let's go Colts, Eagles, Giants. Should we wait for Sam's answers? I'm locking it in with you. Okay, we're locked in as a team. All right. The Colts, Marvin Harrison, Dwight Freeney. Freeney. Yes. I applaud you. Yes. The Giants, Justin Pugh, not David Tyree. He was a sixth-round pick, but, but Will Allen was a first-round okay, pick. Okay, there we go. The Eagles, Donovan McNabb, and no one else. Ah! Where did McPherson go? McPherson as in Don McPherson? Yeah. I, I think he was before that, that oh, he was, common era. He was, oh, you're right. I, that was stupid. I was uh, – Now, you were on the right track with team number three. Patriots? Yes. Dang, oh. dude. Chandler Jones and Tabucky Jones. T Chandler Jones and Tabucky Jones. What year was that? I, I'm struggling to remember off the top of my head. He was Eagles. McPherson was Eagles. Oh. Drafted round six. But, um, dude – I, that was, that was, that's been the best trivia day of my life. That, that yeah. You were, yeah, you said. Can, can I do it? Can I hit it? Can, can I you, hit it? Can you what? Bang! <laughs> Bang! <laughs> Unbelievable. 
You know I'm here. No, I, I know you are. And what a big day. I feel I feel great right now. You know what else is going to be a big day? I feel day? great right now. Draft day is going to be a big day. Draft and day? I'll we, be honest. I think Friday's a bigger day for we, us. We should let you guys know. We will have an article up on our website mm-hmm. that is updating you with picks throughout the weekend. Yes, yes, Maybe yes. a little slow on Saturday just because I'll be in Hamilton calling softball. But Thursday night, if anything happens, surprisingly, Friday night when most of this probably happens. Yep. And what time does the draft start on Saturday? Is it like 11 to 4? It normally is like a, it feels like it's like a late morning or a noon thing. Yeah, but we'll also, update it when we get to with it. it being, with it being out in Casey, it probably is starting at 11. So that's our show, right? No other pieces to this? No, Unless no. you got anything. No, I think we're good. Guys, great show. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We will be back hopefully later this week, maybe with an update for you. Maybe not. At the very least, we'll be back next week to break this all down. Tommy Sladek, Samantha Cross, and Brendan Hodges. This is the Orange Zone Podcast. We're out of here. Peace.